If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. If you don't have a Bible this morning and need a Bible, uh, we do have Bibles available for you that are located in uh, the back vestibule or over here on the side table. And if you need one to keep, you're welcome to take it home with you. Write your name in it. It's, it's all yours. We want to make sure everybody has the Word of God in their hands. And, and I really I enjoy when people bring their Bibles to church and open it right there and don't even have to look off the screen. I know for some of you it's just easier to look off the screen. Some of you it's just lazier to look off the screen. But what we're trying to do is train ourselves. We're training ourselves to listen to God. And some of that is just kind of putting in the hard work, putting in the effort to have to open the Bible both here and then cause that to train us to open it at home. So if you can, please, please take out your Bibles and turn to first Peter and we're in chapter three. So let's pray and then we'll we'll get right into it. Father, thanks for this morning. Lord, you've just been so good to us. You've just filled us with this 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 great opportunity of seeing you in so many ways, whether through prayer time or through worship, um, just visiting with one another. Lord, you give us all these ways to to glimpse you. And yet you've said that um, the, the, the great way is to look at Jesus, to read his word and by his spirit, Lord, come into a, a, a great revelation of who you are and what you've done for us. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would teach us by the word of God. I pray that you would control my mind and my heart and my lips to only say, what you would have me to this morning and that by that same Holy Spirit who's directing my lips, that that Holy Spirit would cause all of our hearts to listen to the gospel, that we might be changed to be more like Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. I appreciated that song that Alan and and Stacy sang. It was talking about Christ, the cornerstone. And, and that was one of the things we saw in first Peter, that Jesus is the precious cornerstone. And this book has been relating to a church that Peter's writing to about the things in life that are precious. That Jesus, his blood that bought us is precious. There's nothing like us because because nothing else can can save you. That the faith that he gives you is precious because as you go through kind of that that hardship, the, the hard parts of life, you think, why am I having to go through this? And yet God allows those things because in the midst of that, he's actually proving that he first started something in you and then also showing you how he's growing that faith. So those things are actually good for you to go through in many ways. That's precious. He's talked um, in so many ways about what's precious. And, and last week he went into the relationship between husbands and wives. And we've been talking about, well, if what Christ has started with us in us is so good, how does that look in the midst of different relationships, especially relationships where we're not always the ones in control? We've talked about people who are maybe slaves or in situations where we're under uh, a hard government and it's not always easy. These people that are being written to, these are persecuted Christians, many of them knowing that maybe eventually they would suffer death for actually reading and believing these things. And so we've been talking about what it looks like to live as a Christian. And, and so now we're going to come into a section where maybe last week you said, I'm not a husband, I'm not a wife. So maybe that didn't apply to me, even though we saw many general ways where it applies to all of us. Um, but this week it does apply to all of us as we sit here and we say, yeah, Jesus has done something for me. And today this is kind of all of us in the boat. Uh, the Lord has just taken aim at all of us and it's going to get a little uh, maybe uncomfortable for us uh, in a few moments, but that's okay. That's good for us. The Lord wants to grow. So let's start reading together. This is first uh, Peter chapter three, verse eight. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. What great things. Who, who doesn't want that? I don't know about you, but I like to be the person on the receiving end of those things, right? Don't you love when you come into contact with people and they have sympathy towards you? Because the opposite is 
is that they would be callous towards you or not even listen. Uh, I, I love when somebody shows me brotherly love because it makes me feel like a brother. I'm included in their family. When, when not, I, I always feel like an outsider. You know, there's, there's a, a, a heart that maybe people have that's not tender towards you. And so it just seems really harsh and, and demeaning at times. And nobody likes those things. But we love to feel those expressions that was talked about there, to be in, in, in a unified mind with somebody, to have that tender heart expression, a brotherly love, sincerity, humbleness that's coming towards. We love that. And guess what? The people sitting around you love that, too. And who's the one to give it to them? You are. The Lord says if he has started something in us, then the church is called to go over and above in expressing what God has already to us towards other people. He's calling us into a body of believers that should be overflowing with love and sympathy and care and empathy towards one another. We love to feel it. And we're also called then to give it away in the church. One of the hardest things that I hear, and in fact, I heard this recently, is that somebody would be in the church. And they've been there for some time. It's not even like they're a visitor. They're in the church and yet feel totally like an outsider. Well, there's this click that's over there. I just can't get into it. There's these people that go on and they're having a great time. And nobody's come and talked to me in weeks. You say, how can that happen? Somebody told me last week that it happened in our church. And that's not just one time. I unfortunately hear that on a consistent basis, not just in this church, but in other churches. I was talking to a pastor yesterday who said he came up to a church. It wasn't his church. He was actually a visitor. He walked in through by several people in the parking lot. Not one person made eye contact with him. He walked into the church, went and found a seat where it looked like that was nobody's seat. You know what I mean? There was no impression on the cushion. (laughs) The whole way into that seat, navigating that place, not one person in the church made eye contact with him. And he was a friendly preacher. And so that's that's something we got to consider is what it. What is it to be somebody who who loves to feel those things, but also to consider you and I as the church are then called to be that for other people? We are to look them in the eyes. We are to give them to smile. We're to address them, um, ask them their name, to get involved, to begin to care for them and wonder how might I be Jesus towards them by expressing his love to them? How do I do these things? How do I become one of mine with other people? That's hard. It really is. In the midst of this church, I guarantee you, we have a lot of differences in the way that we think and believe towards different things. But this actually calls us to be of one mind. And that means we need to be coming to the scripture and take the mind of Christ. All of us drawing together towards the mind of Christ. That's the only way that we can have unity. As well as we come into some of these other things. Sympathy. That's just hard. You know what? Because I've got my things I'm worried about. And so if I'm going to be sympathetic towards somebody else, that means I have to almost displace mine for a moment, go and address you and ask you about your life. See how I can care for you. Try to take on the emotions that you are and steer you to a way that's healthy to steer you towards Jesus. But I had to put off my own. That's hard to do because mine hurt. To be tender towards somebody. Sometimes, you know, you'll talk to somebody and you're like, I don't care. And you ever have that feeling? You're because maybe you, your schedule's going crazy in your mind. Maybe because uh, a bad situation happened earlier. Maybe because that person just super annoys you. 
But this said, do it. To be tender. To have that moment of actually caring. Some of you have that spiritual gift of mercy. It's just natural in you. You're just like, tell me all your cares. I'm going to be tender. Pastor Billy had that. Has that. Some of you have that in spades. Not, I'm just not built like that. But I'm called to be tender. I need to care. I need to set aside my own self. You know? And to be humble in mind. The last person in the world to know that they're not humble is yourself. That's the hardest thing. And so that is something we have to ask the Lord just to give us. Give me a mind that does not think of me first. That's the hardest thing in the world because everything that's being addressed towards you right now in the world and even in your own heart is you first. Take care of you first. You need the new clutch. And for you men, that means a purse. It's a fancy purse. (laughs) Yeah. You know, men, you need the truck. You go get that candy bar because you deserve it. You go pump some iron to make yourself look ripped. You go, it's all about you. And so advertising has taken that upon itself to advertise for you. And you know why it's so effective? It's because you love it. Somebody is giving you permission to make it all about yourself. And yet this said, have a humble mind, which means it's not about yourself. It's not about Jason. Christ is causing us to have to steer our attention towards other people that he cares about. And that's how a compassionate community is built. I love those stories of Jesus when he is tired. He has been working hard. He's actually heard some bad news and he's going away for a rest. He gets on a boat with his disciples and they're tired and they're going over to to have a retreat. And it says that as Jesus and his disciples are going on this boat, they get to the other side and people, the crowds had ran and beat Jesus there. And as he's coming to the shore and they're getting off the boat, Jesus just could have been like, I just don't want to deal with these people right now. But instead, it says that he looked at them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. Compassion. He had passion. He was filled up with passion for people. And even though it was going to take some time to, to set aside his own rest and to to, to, to say, hey, disciples, it's not just going to be our little club right now. We are going to go address the needs of these people. We are going to speak the good gospel into their lives. We're going to heal them. We're going to feed them. or We're going to do ministry for them because they were trying to have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind towards people who were in need. And so now he calls us as his people, do the same thing. Do the same thing. Now, I know it's hard because it's easy to to look at the people who are are maybe suffering from not feeling as connected. And I want to talk to those who are not feeling as connected right now. Because I know as for a fact, because I know that I do it in in times in my life when I felt not connected, I've I've allowed myself to wallow and to go to pity. And then to not try at all. There needs to be some effort. And so I just want to give you some 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 helpful hints um, to just to just give you that opportunity. And and one is keep coming, please. And find areas and other people that will talk to you. I guarantee you, I will talk to you. Other places that you can go to that maybe are different places is try going to a Sunday school class, to a Bible study, 
to other opportunities that are given within the church. Those are other places. And so if you come in on a Sunday morning and you, and you go and you sit in your seat and you go there week after week and then you say, nobody's talking to me. It also takes some effort to go and talk. And I know that's difficult for, for some people because it's like you were just built with one big gene called shyness. And so it's going to be a little difficult. But those two things, you got to work those two things together to try to get to that place. Um, one other thing that could be really helpful is even if you feel like you don't have a skill or you don't know what your spiritual gift is, if, if you would find yourself just finding a place in the church to serve. And you may think that is that is way beyond my ability to go help out at Bible diggers with the kids on Wednesday night. Try it. It'll 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 start working on you and maybe maybe all the other adults will abandon you. But I guarantee you this, you'll probably find a seven year old boy or a 10 year old girl who would love to talk with you. And you will find compassion and community maybe in a different generation than you that you never expected. And that's one of the things that's fleeting in this world right now is the generations aren't getting together. And sadly, that's happening more and more in the church. And so for those who are feeling disconnected, go connect with another age group. And I, again, just want to express, and I don't know if I have the permission to do this from the young adult Sunday school class, but I wish we would almost do away with that name and just say, hey, if you are looking for our Sunday school class where you can come and be a part of a group of people, come out to the fellowship hall, 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and we'll just have Sunday school. Come and talk with us. So I just want to invite you into some other opportunities. Another way is invite somebody over for dinner. Maybe in this space, which is not yours, and it's a little less maybe intimate because there's a big crowd here, and you're more comfortable at home. Maybe you and somebody else go and just invite somebody over for dinner and get them into your home and maybe a more comfortable situation. So I just want to throw those out as ideas. I don't have all the answers, but I'm just trying to bridge this opportunity for us all to come together in community. One of the things lately as they've been even doing surveys, scientific surveys about churches that are that are have 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 checked out as being just very um, compassionate places where people want to come and feel like they belong. That's a big word. Do do you feel like you belong to a place? And there's a word that they're connecting to the feeling in those places. And it's this warm. People will say, I feel like I belong in that place among those people because it's warm towards me. Don't you love that even physically to be in a place where I'm not talking about blazing hot like it's 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 crushing you because it's it's just it's warm and inviting. And that's what this verse is talking about. All of you. Not just the greeters and not just the deacons and not just uh, Miss Judy because she's an extrovert. It says all of you be warm towards one another. Be warm to those in the church. And then in the way we address each other, it says here as well. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So obviously we know we shouldn't if somebody does something evil towards us, we shouldn't do evil back. If somebody reviles us, we shouldn't revile back. I mean, that's Sunday school 101, but we're actually not very good at doing that. Usually, if somebody does something towards us, we feel we somehow have the right to inflict pain back. And it may not be in the same way. We're just going to be passive aggressive about it or slander them on Facebook or just to another person. 
This says not to do it. It says, don't be evil back. That's not what you're called to is just to, to take up your arms and go and hack somebody down. But you're actually called to the opposite. It says you should actually be blessing people. If somebody comes and does evil, even in this church, if somebody's offended you, you are not called to then offend back. You are called to bless back. Why? Because when you were offensive towards God, he blessed you. The word blessing is interesting. What does it mean to just bless somebody? The word there is interesting because it's talking of actually um, benefiting somebody or praising somebody vocally. You actually get to use your words to build somebody up, even when they don't deserve it. Sometimes blessing somebody is with a hard conversation. Recently, a, a young man offended me. We were called to be in ministry together. He totally failed me. And so I went and I talked to this, this man. I said, brother, I love you. But in this situation, you completely let me down and everybody that we ministered to down. In confronting him, that was actually an opportunity to bless him. I could have kicked him and punched him. That's what I felt like doing. But actually, when we go and we love somebody so much to actually pull them along, I said, this is what happened now. This is what Christ has called you to. This is, this is what the word of God has instructed us to do. And you know what he told me at the end of our conversation? He said, I'm so grateful you told me that. I, I knew the whole time I was letting you down. And before we left, he said, can we get together on a regular basis and just read scripture together? So, so blessing, it's not just like, hey, you're doing okay and cheering all the time. It's addressing one another with a benefit. You are, you are speaking and living into one another's lives for the benefit of them growing closer to Jesus. And that's what you're called to. That's what you're called to. As the people of God, it goes on here and says this in verse 10 for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So he then goes and he dips back into the book of Psalms and he quotes this section and he says here, hey, you want to have a good life? You want to love life? Good days? I think everybody in here would probably raise their hand. That's what we want. However many days you have left. He says, if, if you want to do that, don't speak evil. Don't let deceit be a part of, of your speaking. He says to turn away from evil, do good, seek peace. And then he has this great thing. He says, the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous in this next phrase. And his ears are open to his prayer or uh, to the righteous man's prayer. That's incredible to me that the, the God of the universe would give us any time. And he would say, hey, come and speak to me. I'll help you. I'll help you. See, God is into this community thing. It wasn't like God went and he said, oh, I'll go save them. So he came down and he saved people. And he said, now that I've saved them, just let them be on their own. Now, the whole point was that when he came and he saved you, he brought you into community with himself, into what's called a fellowship. And then what he did is he's recreating other people around you by saving them and also bringing them into a fellowship. And by that, he doesn't just mean a local church. He means into fellowship with him. 
And so you have an opportunity in the way that you are reading Scripture, praying and growing in your faith to be in fellowship with God. But then what happens is when you're doing that, it spills over into the lives of people around you. And when you recognize how tender and sympathetic and compassionate Jesus has been to you because you're going to him day after day after day, when that relationship with Jesus is healthy, then it begins to pour over into the relationship that you're having with other people in fellowship. Now, if you are not doing that with Jesus and remembering what he's done for you, it is going to reflect badly on the relationships you're having in the church and the relationships you're having in all the world. We can't say, well, that was great. He saved me and closed the book and then expect to go and keep on and keep on and keep on. Why? Because relationships are hard. Every day you need Jesus to remind you how gracious he was by taking your death and giving you his life. And now he says, in the same way that he did not revile when he was reviled, in the same way that he did not do evil when evil was done against him, he's now given us that charge. Go be Jesus. Go let his love flow through you in the way that you are having community The same way that he had compassion, go have compassion. Part of that is just knowing people. It's just getting to know people. Being warm and and getting into conversation and, and, and seeing how you can fill that conversation with Jesus in a way that's going to benefit, it's going to bless them. And so you're really going to hate me right now. Because we're going to do a little exercise And you're, again, really going to hate me right now. Um, So what we're going to do is this. We already made the joke earlier that every day we come in and you probably have your little pew divot. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to have what the young kids call the fruit basket upset. And I know we're in the middle of a service and this isn't traditionally how we do things. And I know a lot of you are sweating in your pits right now. And now you realize why you're hating me. But here's what we're going to do. You're going to leave the place you're at. Now, if you're physically incapable of standing up and going somewhere else, you get, you get to stay. Okay, you get to stay. But you have to move your seat and go into a different quadrant. If we were to separate this um, sanctuary into four parts, if you're in that corner, you have to end up in one of the other three places. So that's rule number one. Rule number two is you can't sit next to somebody that you have sat next to in the last year. Okay. Number three is kids. Kids go find kids. And if kids you don't want to go do that. Uh, I will allow you to be with your parents. Okay. Um, fourth rule is this. If you're a visitor this morning. You may stay with somebody that you're connected to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that to you this morning. It's hard enough as it is. I know it. But um, that's how it is. So. That's what you need to do. You're going to need to change. But before you get there, here's what you're going to do. You're going to be sitting somebody, hopefully, that you haven't maybe talked with a lot in the last year. And that's going to hurt. I know that. I'm intentionally forcing this issue because you know what? When I preached it, I think I almost saw everybody in this room nod. What Jesus wants is not a lot of movement like this. He wants action. And we're going to do this action in practice. And so you're going to be sitting next to somebody maybe you don't, haven't talked a whole lot with in the last year. Um, f- maybe challenge yourself to sit next to somebody that 
It just seems like I don't know that I would ever have a connection with that person. And here are the four questions that you're going to ask one another. Okay. Four questions. First one is this easy one. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Yeah, that's easy. Half this room probably had grits. Okay. (laughs) So just what did you have for breakfast this morning? That's question number one. Question number two is this. What is your favorite tool? What is your favorite tool? Now, I know a lot of you probably aren't like using a hammer. Maybe yours, maybe you're an office person. You can't, you just love a stapler. Can't get enough of the stapler. You just love a stapler. Whatever object, maybe you're in the kitchen and you have a special thing. Whatever tool that you use, it may be you're into electronics. Your tool is actually a certain device or something. I don't care what it is. I'm just wanting you to, what is your favorite tool? So the first one, you remember what it is? What did you have for breakfast? Second one is, what is your favorite tool? The third one is this. What was your first experience at Unity Church like? What happened the first day that you came? You know why? Because all of us were a visitor at some point. Unless you were on the day that it started. And then, you know, that was the only day in all the history of this church that everybody was a visitor. So what happened that first time that you came to you? Was it a good experience? Was it a bad experience? Who talked to you? Where did you go? Were you confused? Did you not know where the bathroom was? I don't know. Whatever, Whatever happened that day, just... Describe the situation and and how you felt and how it went. And the last one is this. Um, Share with one another something that you could pray for this week. Okay, it could be anything. Um, I wouldn't go too deep. You don't need to go into like some deep depressive whatever or, you know, um, don't give up secrets that your spouse has told you, you know, be be um, good in the way you speak. And, And so those those are the questions. What's for breakfast? What's the tool? Um, that's your favorite. Um, I'm forgetting my third one already. Uh, what happened your first time at Unity Church? And if this is your first Sunday, you're going to be like, this is my first and last. Um, and the, the fourth one is, what could I pray for this week? And I know it's tough. And I know several of you may be thinking, you know what? When we're all rearranging, I'm going to rearrange out to my car. I'm out of here. Um, please don't please don't do that. Please be a part of this with us. I know it's tough. But but let me let me tell you two other things. Uh, the, f- the fifth rule that I have for you is whatever somebody tells you in that conversation, you may not tell another person. And the reason is we're also going to practice not gossiping. OK. And I want other people to go and ask other people the questions. So it's not just us talking about other people. Other people are getting to know other people. So don't don't go spreading everything that you're hearing in these things. Keep it to yourself. Make the commitment to one another. That's part of being tender hearted is that when you tell me something that's going to be held in confidence in my heart. OK. And then let's see, what was the final thing? I have one more thing. Oh, this is it. <laughs> I know I'm giving you so much. Uh I don't have the spiritual gift of remembering, but um, the, the last the last thing was this. You're going to recognize it's going to take a little effort. It's going to take a little effort, right? And you know that everything that means anything in life. Takes effort, right? Anything that's really good in life doesn't come easy. It took effort. And so today, put in that effort. Let's let's start doing that. Let's put in the effort of being warm Easy questions. Have that time at the end. I'll call back together. I already have dibs on Judy and Billy right here, so you can't leave. I'm coming for you. Um, the rest of you intermix at this time. And then after probably like 10 minutes, then I'm just going to close in prayer and we're going to be done. And, and we're going to experience 
1 Timothy chapter 3 um, this morning, and you'll all hate me, but we'll be better for it. So go ahead and mix up and just in about five, before five minutes, hopefully everybody's mixed up. 